everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for Dwight. It's my prayer for New Point that we would be filled with the kindness of Jesus for the one. The one in whom Jesus died for. The one in whom he gave his life for. My prayer for me, my prayer for you, my prayer for New Point is that our love for humanity would grow. It would be deepened. And that the love that the Father fills you and I with would be shared in such a way that the people around us, people that we work with, would feel the Father's love as well. That they would feel and experience the wonder of his love and that they would see him as a good, good father. May it be said of me, may it be said of you, as Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you've experienced me, you've seen and you've experienced the father. Welcome to New Point. We're glad that you're here today. I wanna give a shout out to all of our campuses those of you in Canton and Worcester and Millersburg and Coshocton and Cambridge and T County, we're glad that you're joining us today. I'm excited about what God has for us because he wants me, he wants you, he wants us to live out that song because we live in a hurting world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's desperate for love. 36 years ago, I came to Sugar Creek, Ohio. And of course, when you go to a, a place like that or, or any quote unquote church, one of the first questions that people ask you is, so what's your vision? What's your vision? What do you see God doing? What are you gonna believe God for? And I always said, my vision is to change the world. People would smile and look at me, and I'm 24 years old, and that's nice. That's nice. But I would say that I want to change the world by helping you lead your family and friends to Christ, to experience his love. And when you talk about the world, people say, how do you measure that? How do you qualify that? How do you do all of that? But it reminds me of the story of the man who was walking along the beach, the ocean, and he would pick up a starfish and he would throw it in the water and somebody asked him, what are you doing? He says, I want to put all these starfish back in the water. The person looked at him and he said, are you crazy? You'll never be able to do that. And he reached down and he picked up a starfish and he threw it in the water and he said it mattered to that one. It mattered to that one. 
It changed that one. John tells us in John 3.16, and you're probably pretty familiar with that. It says, for God so loved the world, the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, a quality of life and a quantity of life that is found in no other one other than the man and the person of Jesus Christ. Most of us don't realize or understand or have gone on to verse 17. And verse 17 says this, for he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And so we want to be for the world. We want to be for the world, for anyone, for everyone, and for you. You see, it's, it's not a sin to be a small church. I've been a part of them a lot of my life. It's a sin for a church to have a small vision, to be wrapped up in themselves, to be concerned with us for and no more. That's the sin. Not to be small, but to have a small vision. And we never want to be known at New Point for having a small vision. We want to have a God-sized vision that if he doesn't move, if he doesn't work, if he doesn't do what only he can do, we will fall flat on our face. Now, why is this so important? Well, Revelation tells us that people from all nations, all tribes, all languages will be in heaven because God so loved the world. And we literally and seriously take that to heart. You see, one of the things that interests me, and it's really interesting over the last two years, is how the interest of prophecy has risen. Everybody wants to talk about prophecy, and it's important. Everybody wants to say, do you think Jesus is coming back? Do you think, well, how close are we? And yet Jesus had to deal with this while he was on planet Earth. And when I hear that, I kind of smile because I see people pulling out their charts and their data and, and what they think and what they've come to conclusion. Hey, I think this is when it's going to happen and, and, and we're just headed towards that point. And again, prophecy is important, but I don't believe that it's complicated. I think most things in life that, that are good are really simple. And so is prophecy. And Jesus let us know how simple it was when he said this, about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father knows. Jesus tells us that he doesn't even know when he's coming back, that not even the angels know when he's coming back. And he gives clarity. He says, you know what? There's only one who knows, and it is the father. And what we do is we, we, we kind of get all caught up in, in the prophecy and we forget why we're ultimately here. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. Matthew records his words when he says this, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. That's why we want to be for the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will what? Will come. Jesus makes it very clear that the end is not happening. 
that history is not ending until everyone hears the gospel, the good news. And what is the gospel? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you would believe in him, if you would receive him, your life will be forever changed and transformed. And that's the gospel. And so if we're serious about the fulfillment of God's kingdom, the simple solution is this. We have to be committed to the Great Commission. And the way in which you're committed to the Great Commission is by being committed to the Great Commandment. And that is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus repeated this over and over, the Great Commission, because the disciples were constantly getting distracted. They were constantly getting preoccupied with the coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And so he kept bringing them back because what happens is life gets in the way, does it not? And so we have to clarify over and over again, what are we about? And Luke records this in Acts chapter one. I want to read it for you. Then they gathered around him and asked, here we go again, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? So that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. He's saying, you know, what's important is that you're filled with the spirit of God so that you can be a witness of his love, of his grace, of his purpose, of who he is. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is huge because this tells you and I, and it tells the church, what its priority should be. You see, you and I don't get to determine the mission of the church. We don't get to determine the vision of the church. The founder of the church does, and that is Jesus. And the disciples here are asking him about restoring the kingdom of Israel so that they could have a, a comfortable life. And Jesus turns on them and he changes the subject to evangelism. And the interesting thing that he does here is he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and then Judea. No, what he is saying is all of this must happen simultaneously. It says, he's saying, so you must go into the world simultaneously. Yeah, you need to deal with your backyard. Yeah, you need to deal with your community. Yeah, you need to deal with your country, but you must do this simultaneously in your personal life and as a church. Now, the last words that a person says before they take their last breath is very, very, very important. And the last words that Jesus gave it's called the Great Commission. And he says it five times. 
in five different ways. And it's recorded by Mark. It's recorded by Luke. It's recorded by John. It's recorded in the book of Acts. And then again in Matthew. And these are the final words that Jesus said. And he's reminding us that we are to be for the world, for the world, for everyone, for everyone. And so Matthew records this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, if you want God's blessing on your life, then we must make what he says is most important, most important in our life. You have to do what he wants you to do if you want the blessing of God on your life. If you want the favor of God on your life, you have to be focused on that which he has declared as the most important thing. And so let me ask a question today. Is there anything more important to Jesus than the Great Commission? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. To go and to make disciples, to inspire people to follow him, to lead them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then help them grow up. There's absolutely nothing more important. Is there anything else he would rather for you and I to do with our life than to make disciples, than to introduce people to him and then teach them his ways? You see, the first place that this starts is your home because what happens in your home is more important than what happens here. If you're a Christ follower, your number one responsibility is to disciple your kids, to teach them to obey every command. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's not the children's teacher's job. They supplement that. They support that. But everything that, that, that um, God has for your children, he wants you to teach them. He wants you to train them. And then what happens is the church comes along and supports that and encourages you in that. And so we're called to be for the whole world. And as you do that, then what happens as, as families change, then communities change. As communities change, then our state changes. And then as our state changes, our nation changes. And as our nation changes, our world changes. And so if you want the blessing of God, if you want the favor of God upon your life, if we want that here at New Point, then we must be about making disciples, teaching people to obey everything that God has commanded. And I believe that when you and I do that, if you're a Christ follower here today, there's almost nothing that God won't do for a man or a woman whose number one priority is to make disciples, whether it's in their home, whether it's at their workplace, whether it's at their community. I love this quote here because this is by a, a woman who's still trying to figure out Christianity and, and trying to figure out what Jesus uh, did and what he uh, has provided for us. And here's what she writes. Against all odds, by the end of the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. Wow. Now, this is what she did in her research. 
She is saying that, you know what? In the first 300 years of Christianity, it turned its world upside down. It, 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 it turned Rome on its ear. It made huge inways and it made a huge impact. She goes on to say this. She says, we still don't really understand how this came about, but we do because when men and women take serious the great commission to make disciples, to teach everyone, to obey everything that God has commanded, then guess what happens? A man or a woman's life is transformed. And that's what happened in their day. It was a revolution that affected the government. It affected politics. It affected practices. It affected legislation. It affected the arts. It affected the literature. It affected the music. It affected the philosophy of their world. And no one could deny the impact that Christianity had. But where have we gone wrong? Because we don't see that today, do we? And yet what happens is the reason why we are here today is because someone stirred it before us. And we're called now to steward it. We're called now to be owners of it, beginning in our home and then moving to our communities and throughout all of the land. We are stewards of it. And I just want you to know that we are swinging the bat here at New Point. We're taking this serious for the world. About 20 years ago, a man named Blake Wood and I had lunch and he asked me, he said, Dwight, what is your, what, what, what is your dream? What is your heart? And I said, I want to change the world. He said, well, what is God saying to you now? And I said, we want to be able to give a million dollars, right, million dollars to change the world. And he told me, he said, Dwight, he said, here's what God is saying to me. He says, we adopted a young baby, young little girl, had no clue that she was from a Muslim world. And God has laid on my heart and Lori's heart to go to the Middle East and to begin to spread the good news of who Jesus Christ is. And what happened is we ended up partnering and giving birth to something called the Impact Middle East. And today, here's where we're at. We're in Jordan, we're in Israel, we're in Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Egypt, Turkey, Haiti, and Ecuador. Can you believe that? Changing the world. And hundreds, hundreds of people in the Middle East today are coming to Christ. I just met with their board. And we're seeing people have visions in villages of Jesus, and it transforms their lives. And they're being discipled, and they're being taught. And there's, there's a revival going on. I remember when Blake and I first talked, there was an article in Christianity Today that said that Christianity in Iraq is dead, and it will remain dead. And we have churches. We have about eight to 10 churches in Iraq today that are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One of those leaders is Haitham, and he has a big, big vision. And he is doing some serious damage. He's in Jordan. And one of the things that, that he has done and we have participated in is the refugees from Syria has come over and, and they have fed the women and the children and they have done Bible studies and they have done an incredible work that it is spreading all throughout the Middle East. 
and I want you to hear it from his own words. And so listen to this. Greetings in New Point Church. Thank you so much for partnering with us last 20 years. Since then, God do amazing things. In our town in East of Amman called Marka, every two people walk in the street, one of them is refugees. So uh, as a evangelical churches, we focus so much about talking. You know, we are the best people we can teach, preach, evangelize, and pray and song. That's good. But in the same time, we not make anything for the community. So I like to call it SpongeBob Church. Have big head, small hands, small legs. Small hands, they not give. Small legs, because they not go in mission. They not make the initiative to go to others and share with them Jesus. In our ministry, we try to put it together. This is not new. This is biblical. And this is what Jesus did. And this is, this is what Jesus also teach us to do. So to put mercy and truth together and that uh, make the difference. When uh, the refugees come from the war countries like Iraq, Syria, we take good care of them. In the same time, God touched their hearts and uh, we make the center, we call it holistic ministry, to give refugees uh, food and hope with dignity. And that's changed everything for them because they see the church, it's valuable for them. Many people around, they look at them, but they uh, ignore them. But the church come alongside with them. And this ministry, plant churches, and not just in Middle East, plant churches all over the world. And we see the movement start because we take good care of refugees. Uh, through our ministry, we see uh, how the Lord restored uh, the lives for those families. Because in our center, we uh, give the holistic ministry and that give them chance to see uh, how God reward them. And the Lord, he, he give each one, when he accepted Jesus, he gave him to be disciple and to, to be servant and using his spiritual gifts. And we give them the space to use their spiritual gifts. And we so those people, when they immigrate, when they go outside Jordan, they took with them the DNA and they planned churches. And we see the movement happened not just in our congregation. We see the movement happened around us. Uh, many people, they like to call us in the 1040 window, churches underground. And I, I don't see that's biblical. Jesus said, you are city above the mountain and city above the mountain, not able to cover itself. So we have to be sunshine and we have to be valuable in the community. In our ministry, we apply this and we see the difference. Is that incredible, huh? Come on. For the world. I love what he said. We don't want to be a, a SpongeBob church. And we don't want that here at New Point. We want to have a big heart. We want to be in our communities. We want to be in the world. And what he is doing there is he is demonstrating the love of Christ in such a way that people are asking, why are you doing this? He's building a bridge strong enough to eventually bear the truth of who Jesus is. And so what I want to do as we wrap up, I just want to share with you three important truths, three words that will help you and I get our, get our mind wrapped around this for the world, because that's what God is for. 
and he calls you and I to do that. The first word is relationship, is relationship. God is a relational God and he desires a relationship with all mankind. And when Jesus unleashed his agenda, it impacted the world and people begin to realize and know that they were created in the image of God and that he loves them and that he desires to have a relationship with them. And so here's the truth. Everything exists in the universe because God wanted a family. He wants to be your father. He wants to be my father. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, and if you've never known God as your father, today you can. It's the most important relationship that you and I can have. You see, God is love. Scripture doesn't just say that God loves. He is love. And because of that, he has to bestow it upon something. And what he has chosen is you and me. What he has chosen is mankind. And so God wants a family. He wants a relationship with the whole world. You and I can play a part in that. The second word is eternity. This is going to go on forever and ever and ever. Everybody's going to spend forever somewhere, either in the presence of God or separated from him. And you and I have the solution. We have the answer, if you will, of where every man, every woman, every child can spend forever, ever with God, enjoying him, celebrating him, and living life to the fullest. Now, what we have to realize is there's only two things that's going to last forever. One is the word of God. This is going to last forever and ever and ever. So this is important. This is very, very important. The second thing that's going to last forever and ever is people. And so if you want to make your life count, if you want to be able to make a difference in this world, if you want to move beyond success to significance, then you and I are called to invest in that which will last forever, forever. And that's God's word, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded so that we can do life well and our life can be attractive and that we can invest in people who's going to spend eternity forever and ever. There's a lot of things that you and I can invest our life in that won't last five years or 10 years or 100 years. But if you and I are willing to invest our life in the word of God, and if we're willing to invest our life in people, that will last for all of eternity. And then the third word is investment is investment. So we need to be able to understand that God has a relationship that he desires for you and me, that eternity is a long, long time, and only two things are going to last. That is God's word and people, and that he calls you and I to invest in his agenda. He calls you and I to invest in that which will last forever. And here's the truth that I want us to, to understand. The greatest use of your life is to invest in something that will outlast it. You need a greater cause than just yourself. You need something bigger than just you. You need something that will draw God's greatness out of you and out of me. 
as I listen and I talk to people today, most people are bored. And if you're living a boring life, it will lead to depression. It will take you down a path that you do not want to go. And you were created for something more than just to exist. And God has invited you, he's invited me to be able to join him in this adventure. And there's no greater cause than the great commission. There's none. And a commitment to the great commandment of loving the way in which Jesus loved and then going into the world and be an expression of that love. There's not a greater cause. If there was, I would join it. If there was, I would invest it. And so I'm inviting all of you. This is part of my job as one of your pastors, as one of your leaders, to invite you and challenge you and call you to this agenda of going into all the world, being for all the world, to inspire people to follow Jesus. And how do you inspire people to follow Jesus? What is the simplest way to do that? It's by becoming engaged in the life of the church and the mission of the church right here at New Point. The local church is the hope of the world. And so my invitation to you today is for you and I to become engaged in three areas. The first area is to pray. It's to pray. It's the life line of every Christ follower that we are called to pray. Pray for those who don't know Christ and pray for those who would be used of God to bring people to Christ. Here's what Jesus said, and Matthew records it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send forth workers into his harvest field. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that I've given you a command to go into all the world and to teach and to preach and to share the gospel, teaching everyone to obey everything that I have commanded. But there's not enough people who have signed up for this. There's not enough people who have embraced this. And he's telling the disciples, you need to pray that people will step up and do that. And so I encourage all of us to pray for those who don't know Christ. And then pray for those of us who do know Christ, that we will teach people to obey everything that God has commanded. You say, how can I do it here? By being willing to work in the children's ministry, by being willing to work in the student ministry. They say that by a person, by the time a person becomes 13 years old, that their worldview is set, their faith is set. What they believe is set. That's why what happens is when you come to Christ later in life and you begin to hear the commands of Christ, you resist them. And you're saying, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to go along with that. Why? Because you have formulated your own set of beliefs. And yet when you take a child from the, from the time that they are born to the age of 13 and you train them in the way in which they should go, then what happens is when they're old, they do not depart from that. So the first way is to pray. The second way is to serve, is to serve, is to serve. That's what we're called to, to do. Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. Here's what he said. 
He said, you are the light of the world. Here's what you need to realize. He was talking to people who probably had not gone further than 10 miles of where they had been born. Can you imagine hearing that? That you've, that you've never left maybe your county, Wayne County or Stark County or T County or Holmes County or Coshocton County or Guernsey County. You've never left that county and you're listening to a man who says, you're the light of the world. Say what? Say what? I've, I've never been out of my county. But what Jesus was saying is when you and I impact people, it has a rippling effect. And so he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Wow. Jesus was saying, if you decide to believe in me and follow me, then you must become the light of the world. And where you flourish, people will flourish. That's why we have to get outside our four walls. That's why we have to be for our communities. That's why we have to be for our world. They will not be changed by a message. What they will be changed by is the love of God being expressed through you and me. A couple of weeks ago, I met a woman. Her name was Shannon, a businesswoman, owns her business. And she got touched by the fact that there was a, a vacuum of diapers being needed throughout our counties and that there was a shortage, and that one in every four families were short on diapers. And so you know what she did? She took it upon herself. She took this upon herself, kept her job, but took it upon herself. And now today she leads an organization which our team went and served with her, of where she is is, uh, giving out 30,000 diapers a month throughout six counties around us. That's being Jesus, my friends. That's being the light of the world. That's that's showing your good deeds so that people will be honored and glorified. Bill and Marcia Shear, retired educators, felt the need for broken families. And so God gave them the, the vision to birth a ministry called Whispering Grace Horses. And now 300 families go there and they bring their kids, they bring foster kids there. And they, they have an exchange with a horse. And they begin to experience a, a, a certain level of healing and hope. And, 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 and Bill and Marcia, if you would talk to them today, they would say it's the best days of their life because they are serving. They're doing something. They're making disciples. They're caring for people. And some of us today, you know what? You're bored. You're 55 years old and you've retired or you're 60 and you're retired. You say, what am I going? You can only play golf so long. And what happens is God wants to birth something in you. There's business women and business people out here that God has gifted you in incredible, unbelievable ways. And God wants to birth something in you that will serve the world, that will cause you to be the light of the world and that your good deeds would cause them to glorify God in heaven. Here's the third one and the final one. And that is this, to give, to give. You give what you believe in. Nothing tells more about you and me than our calendar and our checkbook, though I know that we usually don't have checkbooks today. But what you give your time and your talent and your treasure to describes your heart. That's why we want to be so private about it. 
But look at what Jesus has to say. He says, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. How do you gain friends for yourself? You do things in the community with no strings attached. You minister to them. You distribute diapers. You, you give a place for broken kids and hurting kids to come and to be ministered to, no strings attached. Use your wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That what happens is it begins to have an effect on them, an impact on them of where you can begin to share who Jesus Christ really is. And there's three ways that I would encourage you to give. One is by priority. Maybe you've never given. And, 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 and maybe this is all new to you, but you need to make it a priority. You say, well, where do I start? Scripture would suggest at 10%. You might choke on that. So start at 2%. Just make giving a priority to God's kingdom and God's work. Secondly, is, is by percentage. And that means that you start to give by percentage. And you just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to continue to increase my percentage. Patty and I do this every year. We sit down and we talk and we say, how do we want to increase our giving? You say, why? Because I want to be on his agenda. I want to invest in that which is going to last forever. And then progressively, progressively means that, that what happens is there'll come time here at New Point or some other place, a ministry of where you will have an opportunity to make a difference and you want to progress and you want to say, hey, you know what? I want to invest in that because it's going to mean hope and healing for other people. And so my invitation to you, maybe you at one time was engaged at New Point and you're no longer engaged. I want to encourage you to get re-engaged by praying, by serving, and by giving. Maybe you've, you've started here and you're new here, and maybe you've never gotten engaged. I want to encourage you to get engaged by praying, by serving, and by giving. Because the local church is the hope of the world, living and teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. And he's called you and I to be for the world. You will never, ever, ever regret it. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for who you are. We love you. You're so good. We thank you for people who have come before us, who have prayed and who have served and who have given. And because of that, we heard about you. We learned about you. We were taught about you. And our life has never been the same. God, I pray that New Point would be a church that is for the world and that we would embrace it for your honor and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.